Hello and welcome to In Lockdown With, a podcast where I, playwright Kieran Fitzgerald, chats to emerging, established and experienced artists in the fields of theatre, film, television, dance and drama, from Wales and beyond, to find out more about their careers and to see how they've been coping during the coronavirus pandemic. Expect laughs, gossip, and an insight into the careers of some of Wales's best-known creatives. If you enjoy this podcast, please like and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Thank you. Hello and welcome to In Lockdown With, with me, Kieran Fitzgerald. Today my guest is the actor Cara Riedel. Hi Cara, how's things? Hi Kieran, I'm really good, thank you, how are you? Yeah, I'm great, thanks so much for coming on. How How is uh, this period of lockdown been for you? Um, it's, it's been okay. I think we've all struggled in our own way. Um, I think being an actor, um, all actors have just been left, really. We haven't had any work, particularly in theatre. All acting work was just cut. And I think TV work is just coming back now, but theatre's... It doesn't look like theatre's going to be back up and running for a while. Um, but, yeah, it has been difficult. Um, did, you, I, did you have any work cancelled? Um, I didn't have any work cancelled. I feel like in January and February, things seem to be picking up. I had a lot more auditions than normal yeah. and obviously none of them got um none of them went ahead and um, and then I did have a really exciting audition um in August um which I was really excited about mm. and the casting directors actually um quite liked my tape. Yeah. But they need, needed someone London based and I think that's partly due to, um, you know, COVID-19, coronavirus yeah. because they don't want people travelling. So I was really gutted about that, but I did a good enough, a good enough Saturday. Yeah. I might have got the job, but because of where I live, unfortunately, mm. that didn't go ahead. And how do you find self-taping as opposed to actually being in the room? I actually have the most horrible relationship with self-tape. The last couple I've done in lockdown Mm. have been okay, but I get myself so stressed and so worked up because I had the mindset that I hate self-tape. Yeah. I, I think that's because I have to watch it back oh. and I, I don't mm. want to watch myself back. If you're in a room, 
done have to watch it. So I mm. watch it back. Um, but I get myself so stressed because I don't like watching myself back. Yeah. I do about two or three takes and I don't like any of them. Um, but I think it was a change of mindset. I really had to change my mindset mm. because if I start a self-tape thinking I hate self-tapes, it's going to go wrong. So I yeah. just is um, with the current circumstances, everything was going to be self-tape. And moving forward, a lot more things will be self-tape. So I just... I. It's easier said than done, but I had to switch up my mindset and think, no self-tapes and no opportunity. It's an audition like any other audition. And I just have to find a way to get past um, being negative about a self-tape. And I think they've gone a lot better things. That's really good. Yeah, it can be... I know what you're saying about hearing your own voice back, because yeah. I've I've had to listen to bits of, of this podcast to get them through these episodes, and I'm like, you kind of overanalyze your speech, or I do anyway. You definitely do. I think because um, I've been watching bits of myself since the age of twelve, and when I first was watching myself and I was like, do I sound like that? Do yeah. I look like that? Yeah, I felt and the same. Hard, but I think the more you do it, you just, you get used to yourself yeah. as anyone else would be watching you. So it is a really hard hurdle to overcome, but mm. with practice it will get easier. So what I wanted to start off with by asking you is what I kind of start off asking everyone on this podcast. It's how did you first get interested in the arts and acting and theatre? So I think I was about um, nine years old when I went to a drama school and I was doing a Mm-hmm. in those productions 
And on the theatre, the drama group, sorry, at the time, wasn't an agency, but the drama teacher happened to know the casting director for Tracy Beaker. Right. And he mentioned to her that I think that year they were bringing like five new characters in. There was a lot of casting to do. So a load of us went. There was one character they were specifically looking for someone with a disability. So Joe sent me. I was the only one with a disability in the drama group at the time. But a load of us went for different parts as well. Um, And yeah, I went for three recalls. And I got the part, and it was so strange because I never considered acting as a career. It was right. just a hobby, but then I realised, oh, I can do this as a job, which is amazing. What did it? Was it when you got the part that you kind of began to consider it as something that you could do as a profession? Absolutely. I think it all moved so fast like I went as I say it was three weeks in a row where I had three auditions yeah and then the following week I got the part and then the week after was the rehearsals and then the week after that we were filming so it was so fast oh wow but when we were on set yeah and I was filming I just I loved the whole process Mm. I loved working with other actors and seeing how um, these programs were created because it's so different from what you see on yeah. TV. At the time, I don't think I realised somehow. I just didn't realise I was going to be on TV. Okay. <laughs> because I know it sounds weird, but we were just filming and it was just a cast and crew in this big house filming and you don't think of the outside world at that point. Do you think that was kind of because of your age? Because you were just a kid when you started? Exactly. So I was only 12 years old and and I think the first time I got recognised we had just finished filming. Yeah. And like someone recognised me walking down the street and I was like, then I realised that this is on TV and people are going to watch this. There was no social media at the time. Or if there was, sort of, I think that might have been my space or something. (laughs) Showing my age. Bebo, do you remember Bebo? I wasn't on social media because I was 12 years yeah, old. Yeah. So the only kind of response I got was in person response. Right. And, and I think that was really strange. It took a bit of getting used to being recognised because I, I just, it was very new to me. Mm. And I don't think I had that much time to prepare and to realise that people would actually be 
Can I take you back for a minute to, to the youth theatre and I wanted to ask you whether things were always accessible for you, whether you had any difficulties around access or the right kind of things being put in place to enable you to access youth theatre or youth arts. time where these things weren't standardised and, and, and there were less disabled kids in mainstream schools as well. There was still a culture of putting people like us in special schools. Absolutely. I was very lucky in that moment. Um, I had a older sister who was in the school year older than me. Yeah. And my mum was always adamant that I was going to mm. go Mainstream, mainstream school, just like my sister. Yeah. But I know um, there's a lot of people that feel they have to put their children in a special school to meet the needs of uh, their children. And and there are some kids who've got more severe CP than us who need to be in special school. Yeah, but, exactly. But. I know some people with CP have additional needs as well. Yeah. And if you've got like medication multiple times a day and you need physical therapy sort of every day, then you have to um, consider a special school for 
Yeah. But I still feel like even in adult life, there's still a perception of people like you and me that we're not able to do stuff, that we can't access this industry in particular, that, that it's going to be more difficult to get it for us to get, break through into this industry, which is something I want to talk about a bit later on. But there's still those perceptions there that exist from people at the very top working in the theatre industry and the, the creative industry. Around yeah, disability, definitely. I, think. I agree with you there. And I'd like to talk a bit more about Tracy Beaker, if that's alright. Yeah, uh, that's fine. Uh, and kind of the practicalities of filming. Um, what did you enjoy about this process? And, and were there parts of it that you didn't enjoy or found a bit more difficult? Tracy Peekers a whole I enjoyed the whole thing I was I just pleased I was the luckiest kid in the world <laughs> having had this experience and um, as I said before I didn't consider acting as a career and I think being in Tracy Peekers I was so lucky because I would have never considered that career right. before but I think as a whole, the experience was a big learning curve. Um, there was a lot to learn in a short space of time. But because it was a children's show based around children, I think the cast and crew were very um, understanding and worked so well with children. Mm. So that was good. Um, the house itself was, there were no steps outside in the first house. I'm trying to remember now. So, yeah, the first house, there were no steps outside. So were there, there were the two different houses then? No, were three different wow. houses. <laughs> I did three series. Yeah. And every time we moved house, Uh, 
my characters uh, bedroom and actually the bathroom we used, which was the on-set bathroom as well, was on that top floor. So, yeah. What, what did you enjoy about working with the other actors on Trishy Week? Was there... with people from Tracy Beaker still? Yeah, absolutely. So just after Tracy Beaker, I mainly uh, kept in touch with uh, Jack, who played Marco, because he was originally from Swansea as well. He actually came from the same theatre class, class that he would be. So, um, yeah, I... Got on with Jack really well, and we used to meet up quite a lot because we were close. Um, but now I haven't spoken to him for quite a while actually. Um, mm. I keep in touch with Danny. I was texting <laughs> Danny the other day because she is filming my Face Speaker, which I am allowed to say because it's been okay. um, announced. Cool. So she's filming my monthly speaker at the moment. I was talking to her the other day about that. That makes me feel so old, by the way. <laughs> well, Danny actually herself does have a little girl. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, she, she's lovely. I went to Danny's 30th birthday right. a year and a half ago. And, and also Chelsea, who played Louise, was yeah. there, who I also keep in touch with. So that was lovely to catch up with her. But I think it would be lovely to have a reunion of, like, everyone. Because mm. we all got on so well. That is really lovely to hear. Um, and you went on, after being in Tracy Beaker, you went on to study a BA in performing arts at Trinity. Um, um, what was the course like? Did it meet your expectations? Uh, I don't know what I expected really because I took a few years out. I actually went to college twice right. because the first time I went to college I studied media, which was good, but I decided, no, it is acting I went to yeah. do. So I then went back for further two years 
and did performing arts as well. And then I took a few years out before going to university. Um, and I literally, it's so strange because I decided about a week before the course began that I wanted to do the course. It was literally the most bizarre thing. I actually went to see my agent who was based in uh, Swansea University. Okay. And I just picked up a prospectus because I know <laughs> that they stopped doing um, performing arts in Swansea University. Yeah. But they sort of merged with Trinity. So I picked up a prospectus who were doing performing arts. So I emailed them and they said, yeah, come in for a meeting. And they said, there's space for me on the course. So then I had to apply through clearing yeah. on the UCAS website. And within a week, I was in university. So it was hey. <laughs> all very last minute, but I mm. rather did it. Oh, and did it benefit you, the course? Absolutely. And in, in, I think from a theatre point of view, more so. I learned yeah. so much about like theatre and different techniques. There was one theatre form that we um, studied in the third year, which was called Buffon. And I had never heard of Buffon before. It's sort of like a clowning um, mm. form of theatre, but I absolutely loved it. It was, it was yeah. the scariest but most amazing thing to do, and I absolutely loved it. And I think university, you just learn so much about life and yeah. about yourself. And it's the most challenging three years of your life. Um, I opted because my um, the course was obviously a lot of um, putting on shows and performing. Yeah. And for our dissertation, we could either write 10,000 words or do a performance. And yeah. for some reason, I decided I was going to do 10,000 words. Because I knew what I wanted to do my dissertation on from before I even went to university. What? I knew what my dissertation was going to be. What did you end up doing it on? Um, so I did it on like disabled actors in theatre. Right. And then I did a case study on taking by theatre because I knew them really well and they were willing to be interviewed and I could also talk about it from a first-hand perspective mm. working with Taken Flight as well, so... Uh, um, I'd like to talk about Taken Flight next, actually. So you were a real human being, which was a forum theatre piece uh, written by Matthew Bogo. Produced, as you say, by Taking Flight, uh, which focused on disability hate crime. Well, what was the rehearsal process like on the piece? So, um, Real Human 
actually my first professional theatre credit. So right. I had never done professional theatre before. But it was nice in that it was quite local, so it was in Cardiff. Mm. Um, and it was really interesting. I went into the audition and it was my first time meeting um, Beth and Elise from Kick and Play. Mm. They were lovely. And also within the audition we stood the writer, Matthew Volgo, who I didn't know was writing the piece, who nice. I actually knew as one of my college lecturers. Good. We both saw each other. We didn't know one another was going to be there. Right. So that was a shock. But, but like, the, uh, but the process, did you enjoy kind of do, working on the piece? Because um, it's quite a tough piece, really, as a human being. It can be. Absolutely. So, at least did like Warner say, so it was going to be tough. Um, we had about three weeks rehearsal because we were doing three parts of the actual performance throughout the day so in the morning we would do part one and two and then the afternoon we, we would do part three okay but in the middle were these forum um pieces which we would get the students or the pupils to come and you know play with us so it it was difficult at times i don't think any of us knew how challenging some of it would be, but how also amazing some of it would be. So it was like, it was based around disability hate crime, yeah. as you say, but it gave, we were working with the eight line, which yeah. are probably the most difficult in yeah. Yeah. Um, so we gave them a chance to come and maybe intervene with a similar situation. So we yeah, gave yeah, them yeah. a safe space to try out, you know, their tactics, tactics and what they might do in a situation. And some of it was hilarious. <laughs> some of it just would never work. Mm. 
to highlight uh, and for you in terms of your preparation um, and knowing that stuff like this does happen was it easier to identify with the character you were playing or was it hard to make those connections if you know what I mean of that actual physical bullying it's more manipulation or psychological bullying or use of words that are ableist that maybe kids don't realise the connotations of those words. Absolutely so this was something we spoke about in the forum theatre piece as well because we used these words within the theatre piece and then we spoke about them and people didn't realise these words meant what they meant. They were just saying them because someone had fallen over yeah. or something. They weren't using them either as jokes or to offend someone. And they didn't know what these terms actually meant. No. And I don't think I remember ever being directly called any of these names. I know there was a meme, a meme going around and I just, I didn't really, I wasn't bothered by it. I mm. used the word, um, can I say the word on here? Yeah, it's up to you, like you want to put me. Yeah, it used the word spaz on the meme. Mm. And it had a picture of me, uh, from when I was filming, and I can't remember what it right. said because it got removed. I, but for me, I was more bothered about 
like my family seeing it because yeah. I didn't want it to upset my family because it didn't upset me. The boy that did it, I saw his profile. I would have never wanted to associate myself with him. Yeah. I didn't care about him. So why would I care what he <laughs> what he thought or what he said? But I didn't want other people to get upset by it. Um, and people were sharing it to get it reported. Mm. And it did get taken down. But it didn't really affect me. But, but this boils down to education as well, doesn't it? Educating kids about what is considered ableist and what is offensive and what these words actually mean. And I think a, a piece like real human being did that. And even seeing disabled actors in things normalises it. Do you know what I mean? Um, Absolutely. I think um, seeing more disabled actors of any, dis any disability would, um, I think, educate and normalise it. I would love to live in a world sort of 10 years from now where it's normal just to see disabled person walking down the street and it's, an, it's yeah. normal to see a disabled person on TV without having to mention anything about Absolutely. disability. And in terms of creating more opportunities, what do you think needs to be done by the, you know, people like the Wales Millennium Centre, Sherman, Theatre, Gensler Company, National Theatre Wales, to ensure that there are more opportunities for us as disabled creatives? I do think there needs to be maybe um, someone within that team who has a disability, who has first-hand experience to really push it. I mean, it shouldn't have to be something that should be pushed because there's awareness of it now, it should be happening. But I think it still needs to be pushed and maybe be someone behind the scenes who is maybe of a different ability or even got a disability themselves. They need to be there pushing for this. And but but how, do, how do we get these people into these positions? Because largely... There is no representation on that higher management level in any of these places at the moment. So how do we get the talent? The only way that this talent is going to become visible is if there are people promoting it. Yeah. And we need allies. Do you know what I mean? We need allies yeah. who are not disabled to be promoting yeah. disabled talent. Like Beth and Elisa doing, like... John D.K. from Hijinks is doing. Yeah. But we need... Sorry, I've been campaigning about this, as you know, for the last um, couple of weeks. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, we need the people with the power to recognise that we exist as disabled artists, quite frankly. And have you had challenges or difficulties in getting parts and auditions? Would you say because of your CP? Yeah. 
absolutely no doubt. I mean, I get very few auditions. I was very lucky with my first part. Um, and I was going into a career that I didn't know was so hard. And I appreciate it is hard for every actor and actress like that. But with the disability on top, it just makes it that much harder. Yeah. And I think sometimes I miss out on parts that I could easily do because they won't see a disabled actor for it. And do you disclose when you're applying that you have CP? Um, I think my agent does most of um, the applying for jobs yeah. for me. And obviously it is there on my spotlight that I have cerebral palsy because I don't want to, I don't want to hide it. No. It's not something I want to hide, but they're going to see it as soon as I walk in yeah. the room. That I have CP, so why why should I hide it? They should just accept that maybe we should see some disabled actors for this part. Uh, and rightly or wrongly, they are going to make a judgment on what you look like visually. Uh, and I, I, I think it's easier perhaps me as a writer, because when people read my scripts, they don't see a disabled writer, they see a writer. Whereas for you, they, they see, they visually, they see someone with cerebral palsy as soon as you walk into that room. And if it's Absolutely, a, yeah. And if it's a part that does not specify whether it requires a disabled actor, that must be so much more difficult for you because you're trying to convince them immediately that you can do the job. Yeah, it makes um, my job in those auditions a little bit harder because I have to push a bit harder. I think um, my third or fourth TV job was um, for BBC Wales and we did a series called Baker Boys. Yeah. And I was very lucky because the writers came to a screening of a short film I did for BBC Scotland, but we had a screening in Cardiff yeah. because a production um, company was based in Cardiff and also I was um, Wales based as well. So we had a screening just for people we knew in the yeah. industry and the writers which was actually Gary Owens oh, who is well, a lovely lovely you, you, and you, if you're Welsh or otherwise if you know your theatre you know Gary Owens Gary Owens come on the podcast I'd love to have you on just say
Um, I met them afterwards, and a few years later, I had an audition yeah. for the daughter part. Um, I think I had two or three auditions for that as well, and I got the part, which this part for me was meant, it meant so much, because it was written for a disabled character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think there were a few tweaks when I did get the part, which was incorporated, yeah. you know, but it meant so much that I was able to go for that part. And despite me having a disability, and I bet that give you, I bet that give you a lot of confidence as well. things would you like to see in place? What can organisations actually do to support disabled talent? Talk to the person you are about to employ. Don't worry about it before the place, before it's in place. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Let the casting directors cast who they think is best for yeah. the part. And if it happens to be a disabled actor or actress, pick up the phone. They will tell you what mm. they want, and I bet you it will be less than what you expect. Just be open, be flexible, and be willing to talk. Because by talking to us, you're not going to offend us, you're going to help us. The only thing that will offend us is if you don't talk to us. So just be open, be flexible, and be willing to talk to us. We will not be offended. No, no. Um, uh, and it's, it's that thing of people being scared to ask questions. Um, yeah, and it is fear, but um, I think I'm getting to the point now where I'm really frustrated by that fear because yeah, me too. I've been saying this for 10 years. People mm. are scared. Uh, Stop being scared, just do it. And you know, it shouldn't be on us to, to prove. Yeah. It should be about these organisations reaching out to us rather than the other way around, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Absolutely. So, even if in pre existential level companies don't believe that we exist exactly. you know, I mean you know you know about my campaign recently and I've been yeah. told that there aren't any disabled actors who speak Welsh and that simply isn't true you know and you know if you looked and if you identified the talent and if you you know 
And this is a national company who have now agreed to work with me to look at changing their policies. I should say that just in their defence. But they're a national company and they've never cast a disabled actor. You question why is that the case, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, rather than asking for women to just talk to these companies, before they even make a decision whether they're going to, um, you know, cast more openly, just it's a case of maybe a Zoom call or a phone yeah. call. And we're more than happy to talk to them. You just stop being and scared. You know, you're going to make yeah. your programme or your theatre piece a lot more interesting if you just consider casting a bit more... Absolutely. Um, and I want to talk about a short film that you made in 2017 called Take Me to the Waves. Uh, what did you enjoy about this? And do you think it challenged people's perceptions? Because it was a short film about an interabled relationship. I watched it yesterday, I really enjoyed it. Visually, it looks really lovely. 
Like, it's available to watch on Vimeo, I think. Yeah, Vimeo, it's on there, yeah. And it looks really visually, really textured. The quality is insane. I mean, these were um, people who recently graduated yeah. from film school, and the, the quality on the DOP and the directors were great. Please, if you get the chance, go and watch it. It's a brilliant short film. It's yeah, definitely go and watch it. It's been in a lot of film festivals and um, lots in New York as well. well. And the response has been great to it. The last thing I want to ask you about um, is what advice would you give to someone who is just starting out in the industry? Um, be prepared. Um, yeah. I, I used to say go for it, and yes, still go for it, but be prepared and strong-minded for how tough this industry is. So have ultimate belief in yourself and your ability to act, and don't let that dwindle, because once that goes, you'll have nowhere to go, because if you don't have that belief in yourself, it's not going to get you through those tough periods where there are no auditions and no work. Mm. So just work on yourself, believe in yourself and your ability, and then go for it, but be prepared. Thank you, Cara. It's been lovely talking to you. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much. It's been great. And I will catch you on the next episode of In Lockdown With. Um, I'm not sure who my guest is yet, but uh, stay tuned. And yeah, please uh, keep in touch on all social media, but thank you all for listening. So it's goodbye from me, and it's bye from Kaya. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of In Lockdown With. The podcast is written, produced and curated by me, Kieran Fitzgerald. Thank you to all my guests for taking the time to appear on the show. If you enjoyed this episode of In Lockdown With, please consider liking or subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And I'll see you next time for another interview.